Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of In My Chair. And today is going to be an exciting show today. We have the opportunity and pleasure to meet with the master barber who's been in the industry for you know a few years. He's going to be able to talk to us about that. Welcome today, Robert J. Brayton. How you doing today, man? I'm doing well. How about you? I am doing awesome. You know, I think one of the things that makes uh, these these In My Chair podcasts so special is that we're talking to different people all around the world. We're getting a chance to just really highlight people who would normally not be as not probably be in the um, in the really you know upper echelon of influencers. But we want to really highlight people who are doing great things, not just in Middle America, not just in the East Coast and the West Coast, but all over. And today we want to really get a chance to get to know you. So before we get started, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and where you're from? Well, um, I am originally from Nashville, Tennessee. I was born and raised there, but I've lived in uh, Georgia and Atlanta uh, and Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'm back in Tennessee, but I'm in Murfreesboro, which is a suburb about 30 miles southwest of Nashville, or excuse me, southeast of Nashville. Uh, I've been in the industry for 13 years. I've actually been cutting hair for about 24 years. I started when I was 15 and I'm 39 now. Uh, married with four kids and uh, just enjoying the industry. I absolutely love what I do. Uh, and the next level that I plan to go to is I plan to start teaching uh, here pretty soon. I'm actually working on taking instructor's courses at this time. Awesome, man. You said, you said something that really caught my attention. You say you've been cutting since you was 15 and you're 39 now. So we understand that that is uh, 24 years. So what did you do uh, from 15 up until the time you started Barber College and graduated? And did you try your hand at the corporate sector? You know, give the audience a little bit of that info. So the reason I actually started cutting hair um, was the barber that I had growing up, he uh, had to retire early due to some health concerns and then subsequently passed away two years later. Um, and I went around to the area where I lived and I grew up in a very, not really a poor end of town, but a not so wealthy part of town, we'll say. And um, I could not find any other barbershops in the area that, that cut my hair the way that that guy did. And so I went to Walmart one day, picked up a pair of clippers, and I started cutting my own hair. Um, I messed myself up several times, and uh, it, it was just a learning process. But I started getting better at it, just learning how to use the guards, how to learning how to fade. And then any of my friends that allowed me to cut their hair, uh, you know, I started with them. I also have four brothers, and so they let me cut their hair as well. Um, but it just after I graduated from high school. Uh, my mom gave me an ultimatum. She said, son, you've got one of two choices. You can either go get a job and in six months, you've got to be out of the house or you've got one year, you can go to school and get a job, save up your money, and then you've got to go. So I chose the latter route. And so a month after I graduated from high school, I immediately started barber school and uh, it didn't go so well the first few months. Uh, I met a girl and well, we'll just say a few kids came out of that. I got married really young and then I started moving around. So yeah, I did work in the corporate sector for a few years. I've worked in the communications field and then I went to a traditional college uh, and majored in marketing. Um, that didn't go so well either. After about two years, I realized this isn't what I wanted to do. And so uh, in that process, that was where I moved uh, from state to state and then ended up moving back to Tennessee 
going through a really uh, messy breakup and divorce. And uh, that was the point where I said, you know what, I've got to go back to barber school. I've got to get back to what I love doing. And so uh, I went back to barber school in 2009 and I graduated, my, my goal was to graduate on my birthday, which is in December. And uh, I actually graduated two days after my birthday. And I still kept working in the corporate sector for a little while and uh, went and took my state exam, passed it the first time and continued still to work because I was scared to actually jump out there because I knew I had no clientele other than a few friends. And I knew that wasn't going to be enough to sustain my family, my kids, because uh, at that time I had I had three kids by then. And uh, I just knew that wasn't going to be enough to sustain them. So I continued to work until one day I got into it with my supervisor at work and I ended up getting suspended. And so uh, I was given the choice to just go home. And so I left, I went home that day, changed clothes, and I went to a barbershop and I said, look, I need a job and I need it today. And I started cutting that day and I have not looked back since. Um, it's been wow. a very wild and bumpy ride, but I've only worked in two shops. I worked in the very first shop that I ever went to, which was the shop where I originally got my hair cut. I was working for my uncle. He was actually the owner of that barbershop. Uh, but he wasn't the one that cut my hair. And then the second shop I worked at is the one that I currently work at. And I've been there for 12 years now. Awesome, man. I think your story is phenomenal. And I think a lot of people's stories are, are somewhat like that. Uh, it's, it's they're trying to get past the issue growing up, a problem coming from a neighborhood, maybe a meager beginnings, you know, or just, just not having those, those abilities, um, and, and probably that stream of income from the parents with their lifestyle to be able to go get a haircut you know, every, every week, every other week. So I think that uh, at the end of the day, your story is pretty much like a lot of other people. My story is pretty much the same. I've been had a pair of clippers in my hands since I was 11 years old, uh, went to school uh, in 96. And so I've been licensed for a long time. And I think that one of the things that I think the audience should know is that anytime you have a love, and you've either gone to conventional college or you worked in the corporate sector and beauty and barbering or cosmetology, whatever it is in the hair, skin and nails, you know, field. If that's something that you love, do that, do that thing so that it can allow you to be, you know, love what you're doing, getting up every day, you know, fulfilling all your dreams. And also you feel good about yourself. So I always tell people, don't ever push that to the side. I think that you probably, probably, Put yourself in a little bit of a situation because you kind of you kind of straddle the fence working in corporate and working in in the beauty barbering field but it's like because you said you didn't want to jump so i think most people have that have that fear of just jumping because they don't want to they don't know what the outcome is and they don't want to have to deal with the failure of it but anytime you're dealing with failure you have to pivot so a lot of times moving on to the next question a lot of people that reach out to us either are a host on ShareShare or a user on ShareShare. How did you hear about ShareShare? So I actually um, am on Instagram and uh, one of the people that I follow, I believe she was a user of ShareShare and I can't even remember her name at the time. And I just was like, you know, what is this? I've never heard of it. And anything related to the industry, I try to, you know, stick my hand in it and just see you know, what it's all about. And so I started looking into it and found out what it was. And I was just like, man, this is a cool platform. Like I might want to use this at some point because 
although I've only worked at two shops, I do want to kind of branch out and just see what things are like in the industry, in other areas, in other cities and states, because it, a lot of people don't realize the barber and the hair and skin and nail industry is very broad. And from state to state, from region to region, it varies very differently. They're not giving the same haircuts in Texas as they are in New York. Um, they're not giving the same services they are in Miami as they are in LA. So to have that opportunity to be good, to be able to go out and sit in someone else's shop and see how they interact with their clientele and the type of services that they offer just amazed me. And I was like, you know what? I think I want to be a part of this. Awesome, awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm so glad you shared that, that uh, intel. You know, one of the things that we at Share Share do uh, we want to make sure that everyone feels comfortable, not just the hosts who have the empty space, but also the licensed professional who's looking for the, looking for an empty space to work, to be able to branch out to another area of the city, another area of their town, uh, a, a neighboring state. So one thing we want to give people opportunities to grow their clientele. People got clientele. You may have clientele in Memphis. You may have clientele in Nashville. You know, you may have clientele, you know, in Arkansas or Alabama. And instead of you you know, making those clients wait, you may say, you know what, I want to branch out. They may have a few people, you know, relationships that they know that if I go down there, go over then that to that state or to that part of town for a weekend, I could probably any, anywhere get from five to 10 other clients. That's how you really got to build your clientele and you got to branch out. So that's one of the reasons why, you know, as the CEO and, and, and co-founder of ShareShare, that's one of the things that was uh, not just a vision, but a problem we were trying to solve at our own location here in Plano, Texas. So I'm just so excited that you've heard about this, not just through a friend, but through you know, social media, because we're wanting people to understand that we're here, we're building an ecosystem. You can also get insurance through our, through our platform when you're going somewhere, so you can make sure that you're uh, taking care of your clients and that you're protecting not just the shop you're in, but yourself as well. So we, we're totally trying to make sure that we build that ecosystem, make you feel comfortable in, in what you do every single day that you're passionate about. My next question to be with you, uh, Robert, is that, you know, you said you, you was a master uh, barber. You know, I think a lot of times uh, we as professionals, we use that term so loosely. So I want you to share with me uh, and the audience, what, um, what is a master barber and how do you uh, receive uh, the accolade to, to get that certificate or that title? Um. I, the way I look at it, a master barber is someone that is not only able to cut hair, but someone that is classically trained and that has gone through the motions of actually obtaining the title respectfully, uh, mm -hmm. which means they went to school for however many number of hours that they had to from their respective state, and they went through their respective state's licensing procedures. Um, because anybody can pick up a pair of clippers and start cutting hair and call themselves a barber. But to be a master barber, you have to be professional. You have to go through the, the motions of actually securing the, the licensing. And then not only that, actually um, implementing all the procedures that you learned when you were in school. Because sanitation and professionalism and all, all of those things, they mesh together. And if you're not using all of those those tools that they taught you in school, then you're just you're just a guy or a, a girl or whoever cutting hair. You're absolutely correct. Yeah. I, I think I think that a lot of times, you know, a lot of uh, barbers now six years in the game, seven years in the game. I'm gonna even say ten years in the game. Um, they still, you know, are on the um, fence with the corporate. They're on the fence with 
not not, not sure if they really, really want to be barbers, but they have a pair of clippers. They've they've collected their hours, but they haven't put the time in. And right. and you know how it says, you know, it takes ten thousand hours to become, you know, just a just a guru at what you're doing. And mm -hmm. putting in, I I never forget when I first started in the industry, I put in fifteen thousand hours professionally in five years, fifteen thousand wow. hours professionally. And so that that's literally twelve to fifteen hours a day for mm -hmm. five years. And you know it was more than that, but I know for sure it was a uh, uh, more. And I tell people, how can you be good at something if you if you have put the time or the work into it? And of course, you have the professionalism, you have the art, you have the precautionary um, uh, things that they teach you in school about your hair, about your skin, about your nails, under the skin, all the things that we need to be considered essential when the pandemic happened, we were deemed unessential. And so I think that most of the time we try to share with people that if you're gonna attain that title, that title needs to be respected based on the work that you put in, the time that you put in. So it's always good to know, like you say, every state and region is respectively different, but we know that if you put the time and the work in and you attain those hours, you can definitely call yourself a master barber. So salute to you for being able to, to carry that that title respectively. Let's talk about how, after you get that license, let's talk about what does it mean to you, not just to be a professional, how did you retain clients, build clientele? What was that persona? What was those values? What was those, those respective morals that it took for you to be that professional on the level to where you wanted to retain clients that look like you because I tell everybody in my book mentor about failure failure the the client that you that you start bringing to your chair are going to look exactly like who you are so tell the tell the audience what is that what does that look like and how do you retain a respective clientele on the level and the services you want to provide um so to be honest the barber school that I went to uh, was predominantly Caucasian. And so okay. I learned how to cut Caucasian uh, hair, so straight hair, before I learned how to cut curly hair. Um, so it actually took me a while to get adjusted because the barbershop that I started working at was predominantly African-American clientele. And to be honest, I didn't know how to cut their hair. And so- I gotta stop uh, you for a second. I gotta, I gotta stop you for a second. Now you say you started cutting hair at 15. Mm -hmm. and you were cutting your hair and your friend's hair. You had yeah. to have known how to cut your I, hair. <laughs> I did, but I wasn't great at it. So okay. admittedly, my first few years of cutting full-time was terrible. Um, okay. I, I had a very hard time retaining clientele. Um, now, okay. but when I started getting more Caucasian clients, or clients with straight hair, that's when I started to build my client base. Now, okay. over the years, I have now learned how to cut African-Americans hair and I'm really good at it. And now that's the majority of my clients, but it, it really took me a while to get adjusted to it. Um, my professionalism when I first started was absolutely terrible. I was just showing up when I wanted to, leaving when I felt like it. And people would try to schedule an appointment with me. And I'm like, I don't do that. Like you just, when I'm here, I'm here. If I'm not, I'm not. And I mean, I would leave people sitting in the chair and I would go to lunch. And it took I me a while. I gotta, stop you. I gotta <laughs> stop you again. Excuse me for stopping you. 
now, 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 Jay, now we let's be honest, let's be 100 here. Now, you know, people are going to be listening to you, and so you're going to have to bring this home on how you were able to pick up the pieces and make this right, not just with your professional uh, business, but with your clientele and how you bring bring this home and let the people know how did you turn this around for the betterment of your future? So what it took was, it took me actually going to jail um, because I didn't have enough money to cover my financial needs. Um, And one of my financial needs was contracted by the state of Tennessee and the state Mm. of Tennessee locked me up. And I was gone for about three months, not very long, but long enough to learn a lesson. And the lesson that I learned was I needed to be more professional so that I could retain my clients so that I could take care of my financial needs. And so when I got out of jail, the, the shop owner luckily was a member at my church and he felt felt very sympathetic of me and he said i'm gonna hold your spot for you and i'm gonna i'm gonna tell your clients that you're on an extended vacation and that you're sick or whatever i need to do so that you don't lose your clients that that i did have and when i came back i did a complete 180 i didn't do a 360 because many people think oh i'm gonna do a 360 well that takes you right back to where you started i did a 180 i was the complete opposite of where i started I started taking appointments. I started showing up on time. I set my hours and I stuck to them. I didn't leave before I was supposed to and I didn't come in late and I still don't to this day. And I let my clients know I am here for you when you need me during these hours. Now I do set boundaries and guidelines. I don't work outside of my hours, but I did set those limits and say for myself, I need to make a schedule. I need to be professional. And that's why now I look at myself as being a very professional individual in the industry because I treat my clients with the respect that they deserve. And that is, yeah. if they set an appointment, I'm there for that appointment. I'm making sure that I'm on time and I'm also keeping them on time as well. If I notice that they're gonna be running a few minutes late, they, have, they need to either call me or text me and say, hey, I'm running five minutes late. I'll be there as soon as possible. Great, no problem. Um, And I hold myself to a higher standard now than I did back then, because I realized that this is a profession. This is my job. This is my career. This isn't a side gig for me. And so many people, I think, in the industry treat it like a side gig. And if you treat it like that, that's what it will be. But this is my career. This is how I feed my family. This is how I pay for this house that I sit in. And I just I had to make sure that I had to that I continued to to treat it like a professional business. Awesome, man. Awesome. You know, I think that what the people really need to understand and what they need to hear is that it's going to take a, it's not going to take a while, but it's how you approach the business, how you approach the industry straight out of school. I'm not sure the professional um, uh, model that they showed you in school, how to become a professional after you after you graduate. But I, I came in here and I was full-fledged in mode. I was I came in and just totally just took over the industry by storm in my city and retained clientele really, really quickly after my first day, which was bad. But you know, months after that, I just really been very serious about this industry. I've been so passionate. And so what do why do you think that so many professionals don't take the industry serious at first 
in order to really understand because the governments and the deregulations that they're trying to do in many states are really deeming us not just essential, but they're looking at it, what we do as a hobby. So a lot of the professionals are thinking, okay, well, you know, I don't want to, I want to hide the amount of money I make. I don't want to do my taxes. Why do you think the professionals do that at first? And then they realize, man, I really love this industry is really paying my bills. I can make more money than I thought. Why do you think they don't take it serious at first? Like you did. I think it is the money. I think because it, it seems like it's fast money and it's easy money. Um, and and that was kind of how I looked at it. Like I, I sat down and I said, well, you know, if I if I need a hundred dollars, I can go in the shop and make a hundred dollars in two hours. And you know, I just looked at it like, ah, it's not a real job. And um, you know, whereas any other occupation, you have to go in, you clock in, you work eight hours, and then you get paid at the end of the week. Most of the people in this industry get paid daily. Um, and so they just look at it as, oh, well, you know, if, when I'm ready for it, it'll be there. And you well, can't it's a mindset a, too. Yes. Oh, definitely. It's, it's definitely a it's mindset. It's a mindset too. And, and the reason I say that is because think about this for a second, audience. Think about this for a minute, Jay. We have, we have been culturally um, in our mind created to believe that working four weeks, two weeks, getting paid weekly, bi-weekly, monthly, that is the, the standard because we've cre they've created that behavior. I think that people don't realize to get paid daily, that's that's a gold mine to know that you can go to work and get some money daily. Now, Absolutely. I think the professionals that come into this industry don't take it serious because they don't know how to mon manage money. And so that way they don't know that at the end of the week after making $100 a day, say you made in two hours, they don't realize they made 500 for the week. Or if they mm -hmm. made $400 a day for five days, they made $2,000. They don't realize how much money they've actually made. And that's why they don't take it seriously. And that's why they just kind of throw it to the wayside. How, how do you think about that? I think that, yes, absolutely what you said is 100% correct. And I think that in schools now, in, in barber and cosmetology schools and, and everyone in the industry, they need to teach a class on finance, on how to handle those finances, um, because because you can make money on a daily basis and people just, they, they make it and then they go out and spend it immediately. And so they sit back yeah. and they don't know where their money's going. They, they just wonder where it went instead of actually having a plan for it and, and setting up accounts uh, and doing their accounting. You know, um, today is the first of the month and it's now time for me to go back and look at February and close out my books for February. You know, I keep a tally of everything that I make every day. I keep a tally of all the supplies that I spend, all the booth rent that I paid. And people don't do that. They just go at the end of the year and they're like, okay, well, I, I need to pay taxes, but if they do pay taxes at all, you know, they look at, well, I, I think I made, you know, X amount and they just base it on that. But then they go to buy something like a house or a car and they can't afford it because they don't have the credit and they don't have yeah. the, income proof, uh, uh, you know, proof. Um, so it's definitely something that needs to be taught while you're in school. There needs to be an entire class on how to handle your finances in this industry. Um, because if you don't, people are going to continue to look at you like, oh, well, yeah. you don't have yeah. a real job. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. So I, I think that as we start to round the bases here, I definitely got a couple more questions, you know, and, and this has been a phenomenal interview. Just just really listening to your story, you know, 
the, just the backstory, you know, just from when you started to, to, to when you, the stuff you've gone through, how you really got into the industry, how you've taken a turn for the better, even with the, the vicissitudes of life that came at you. And so what I want to know is if you had to describe yourself with three words, what would be those three words that describes Jay? Determination, persistence, and godly, and not necessarily in that order. Um, yeah. You know, I, I'm determined to get to the next level. I not only have I done barbering, but I've also started my own company called the Classic Barber Company. And that's not an advertisement, but it's more so of a something that I just wanted to do, um, you know, to to better and further myself uh, mm -hmm. that will you know, eventually turn into something something else. Um, but I'm always determined to get to the next level of where I want to be. Persistence, uh, because I am persistently trying to be better. I want to be a better person. I want to be a better husband, a better father, a better professional, a better barber, a better everything. And then godly, because I always keep God first in everything that I do. Um, you know, I, I, I don't do all the negative things that most people think barbers do the the drinking the smoking the the cussing the the listening to filthy music i don't do that that's that's not a part of my lifestyle um you know when people walk into their my shop they know that they can bring their entire family in there women children men you know everybody because they know we're going to keep things on a professional level in that shop. We're not going to have the loud music. We're not going to have the cussing. We're not going to have the filthy language and the and the negative conversations. You can come in there and sit and relax and have the services provided for you and know that everything is going to be kept on the up and up. That's awesome, man. What a lot of people don't know about our in industry is that we started off as, as what we call tutorial artists. But we pulled teeth and we did, you know, we did hair. So a lot of bloodletting, a lot of working on a very high end until they separated dentistry and barbering. And, you know, we've always been professional. But I think somewhere, you know, in, in the, I want to say probably coming out of the 60s into the 70s, we started not taking it as serious, you know, um, but definitely, you know, as we started to round into the 20th century, you know, around the 80s, just, you know, they started thinking it, was, it became a hobby to a lot of people. Uh, the profession took a different turn. And so the the way we were perceived is based on the way we went to work, you know, not taking it serious, not being professional, not taking care of our clients the way uh, a business-minded person would or, or a corporation, you know, a sole proprietor. However you want to consider yourself as a business a contractor, you know, we started to take that turn. And so we deemed ourselves, you know, inessential in a lot of ways. But I think the barbering now has taken a really, really big turn. I think the stylists, the cosmetologists have always been a little bit more professional uh, in the aspect of just beauty uh, and the barbers kind of went down, but the barbering industry is really making a turn for the better over the last, I want to say five years ago. And so I'm really excited to know uh, what's to come and the things that you shared about, you know, how you receive your clients, how you carry yourself and the, um, the, the way you uh, set your, your station up or your shop up for clients to be welcome, that's the way it needs to be. And so I think a lot of times we don't really take those things in consideration in order to build our clientele, in order for people to talk about us. Now in the social media world with ratings and reviews and people's going out there and doing these things, you have to really be on your P's and Q's. You know, you have to dot your I's and cross your T's very carefully because you wanna build that clientele that reflects who you are, not just for yourself, 
but you being a staple in your community for your family and for the people you're representing. So I'm, I'm just totally amazed and I'm so excited for your future. And that's what, that's what it really takes in order to be that ultimate professional going into the next stage of your life, the next chapter of your life. And as you continue to build your brand and your business, those things are gonna mean so much more as you continue to grow. As we close, why don't you tell the audience you know, all you know your location, your social media channels, and how they can reach you. So uh, we are in Smyrna, Tennessee. Uh, the shop is okay. called A Little Off the Top Barbershop. It's at 216 North Lowry Street, uh, right in the heart of Smyrna, Tennessee. Um, my social media is at, on Instagram, is at the future classic. Um, all one word, no underscores, no spaces. Um, and if you're looking to look at my, um, my company, it is the classic barber co, or excuse me, the classic barber underscore co. Uh, so the classic barber company, uh, you can also look me up on the classic barber Uh, that is where you will find all of my products. I sell a ton of men's beard products, uh, beard combs, beard balms, beard butters, beard oils, uh, all 100% made by these hands <laughs> um, and 100% owned ah. black. So check me out. That is phenomenal. You know, uh, go ahead. That's phenomenal, Jay. I think that, you know, what you've done is you brought light not only to your family, but to your community. I, I wish you so much the best of luck as you continue to go forward. I think what you really enlightened too is how you can come from one place and get to the next level in life, in the profession and in the passion that you love of what you're doing in the barbering industry. And again, just like you said, classic, that's the one way you can you know, call your, your, your brand because you have done exactly that. You've created something that is classic. And if you're doing all the work and you're putting in that work, you're gonna definitely get some positive results as you plant those seeds into other people's lives because what we do in this in this world is that we give back because it's so it's so needed. But I want to tell you guys, thank you for joining this episode. And you got to understand, and like I always say, if you want to face your fears, you're gonna to have to continue to move, and you just got to jump because I did. Thank you guys for joining this episode. We will talk soon. Peace out.